This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Get ready, Ohio. FanDuel, America's number one sports book, is coming to the Buckeye State. And to kick things off, you can get started with $100 in free bets as an early sign-up bonus. Plus, when you sign up today with promo code OHIOFD, you'll be all set when FanDuel goes live in Ohio. Then you can bet on all your favorite teams in all your favorite sports with $100 in free bets. Just download FanDuel's top-rated sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Ohio, this is your chance to get in on the action. Join today with promo code OHIOFD. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. 21 or older and present in Ohio. Bonus issued in non-withdrawable free bets that expire seven days after FanDuel accepts its first real money sports wager in Ohio. one Unique user identity verification required. Offer ends on the go-live date. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G. Because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Rootmetrics second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement. Introducing the Lowe's List for Innovation. While our aisles are filled with innovative products, we've selected our favorites just for you. Like the exclusive Whirlpool washer with industry-first two-in-one removable agitator. We love this washer because you can customize any load. And with other smart features to streamline your laundry routine, this product is a must-have for families. Shop the full Lowe's list of top picks at Lowe's.com. 
Lowe's. Home to any budget. Home to any possibility. U.S. only. Another film study. This is the defensive podcast as we're going to look back to the week two victory in Houston. Ken McCusick, how you doing? Life's good, Josh. How about you? I'm doing well. Another fun uh, weekend of football, but a ridiculous amount of injuries across the NFL. Yeah, just an absurd uh, you know, change of the terrain in the NFL with the 49ers having a bunch of injuries and uh, Saquon Barkley going down. Boy, he had a terrible year. Uh, 19, I think 19 rushes for 34 yards he finishes with. Does any uh, of this Does any of this make you think they need to bring preseason back? In the case of some of these starters, I'm not sure how the actual preseason games would have helped. I think they could have used more time maybe training in the facility or maybe doing the normal kind of preparation exercises. But honestly, I'm, I'm too distanced from that to be a good judge of why there seem to be a lot of injuries this year. But this does seem to be a lot of very serious injuries early in the year, more so than most years. And I don't know quite how to interpret it. I will say this, when they do have the preseason, there's injuries that occur then. So it's not like, you know, we've had Ravens preseasons with tons of injuries um, in the past. I'm, you know, I, I, it's, this is this is a lot of injuries for the regular season, but I don't know really how to how to map it to any root cause. Gotcha. All right. Well, I know we're going to have to talk about at least one of those injuries today on the podcast. So let's get today's guest in. Let's bring in Jason Woolbert, who's joining us. Jason, how you doing? Pretty good. Uh, I'm uh, I'm enjoying uh, another two and zero start and um, uh, getting. Getting already getting hyped up for a big showdown next week. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing is everyone's looking ahead to next week. I think even going into this weekend, we all looked ahead to next week. Uh, Jason, right, we're not looking ahead anymore, to be clear. Uh, <laughs> it's the game in right, the immediate size. Yeah. Now it's looking forward to. Yes. Not, right. All right. So we've changed ahead to forward. Jason, uh, let's take care of your plugs right at the top and how people can follow you on Twitter and all. Oh. Uh, all right. Well, um, my freshly recovered uh, Twitter handle is at 25 Nuggets, which is uh, an homage to Buck Showalter and the Orioles, um, uh, as I've done some uh, some work for that team as well as the as the Ravens. Uh, and on the Russell Street Report uh, message board and system, uh, you can reach me. Uh, my name is WNC Ravens fan as I. Uh, have moved to Western North Carolina from my Baltimore roots. All right. Well, I'm sorry you're not here to enjoy Baltimore football in person, but then none of us are either. We're watching on TV just like you. That, that's the best part about moving to Florida this past year is I'm not <laughs> missing any Baltimore sports stadiums. Uh, I'm enjoying the Smoky Mountains. It's, it's nice around here, I got to tell you. All right. All right. Well, All right. Let's, let's jump into the game. And, um, I mean, where do you want to start? Do you want to start with Tavon Young? He kind of left the game real early anyway. I mean, I, th- I think 
Let's, it's a good news, bad thing here. Good news, bad news thing here. So you want to start with the bad news or start with the good news, Jason? Which do you, would you like to talk about first? <laughs> um, I, I would I would just want to start off by saying that I think this is a better win for the Ravens than uh, some fans might be led to believe. Um, uh, thinking this was a, a meh win or a lackluster win. Um, the, the Ravens... First off, it's a road game. Doesn't matter as much uh, without the crowd, but uh, Texans team that had 10 days to prepare and uh, the defense, which we'll be focusing on um, uh, tonight, uh, gave up 16 points. And there were only five teams uh, that gave up 16 points or fewer this week pending the uh, Monday night game, which would be concluded by the time this is airing. And the offenses that scored against those defenses are the Jets, the Giants minus Saquon Barkley, the Washington football team, and the Vikings, whose offense is maybe close to the Texans in firepower. So 16 points given up in today's day and age is a low score. And, I'd, um, I'd agree yeah. with that. I think there's a lot of positives you can take from this game. I think there were a lot of ans- a lot of questions answered about the defense from this game that we really didn't have a good answer to after week one. You know, they they really in, on offense and defense have lost both sides of the ball in the trenches. And this game, I could I think you could say fairly that they won both sides in the trenches. I definitely think the defensive line one in the trenches, uh, which uh, will be gone over in a little bit more detail. And um, there was a heck of a lot of pressure brought in this particular game. Um, yeah, per- go ahead. Particularly in the second half, they, they really did a great job of manufacturing pass rush once they had the lead. Yes. And, and the Ravens are, I mean, most teams are built to be able to, um, protect a lead, uh, unless, you know, you're the Atlanta Falcons, but that's <laughs> another, that's another story. Um, the Ravens do uh, very, very well with the lead, of course, because they can just grind the ball out on offense and pin their ears back on defense and the, and the run defense overall in this game in particular, just shut them down. Yeah, they did. They did that 51, 51 yards, 17 carries there. I, I thought they did a really good job over the course of the game reducing the impact of Watson's mobility. Watson certainly made some plays in the first half, got out of trouble in the pocket, made people look foolish. You know, even the throwaway where he avoided a sack twice on the play looked, looked pretty uh, incredible, but it was a, you know, it was an incomplete pass in the end, but I thought Mm -hmm. they really did a good job of, of as time moved forward, impacting um, how his mobility affected the game. So whereas in Baltimore last year, they completely controlled it. He had a lot of trouble keeping his eyes downfield. This game, they improved as the game went on. It's really worth noting that the Ravens faced a team that has one of the best quarterbacks in football right now. Mm-hmm. And and for the most part, kept them spinning spinning their wheels. Um, there's, a, there's a phrase that I like to say called a garbage completion, which is essentially when a quarterback is falling off his back foot and just hoists a ball up and a wide receiver happens to catch it. It's not anything really that the defense can do about it. It's just a fluke play. And um, 
usually, you know, the really good defenses, they'll they'll allow a play or two here or there, but then for the rest of the game, they're they they don't let that um, uh, compound into um, something that, uh, for lack of a better term, lesser teams uh, allow. Right. He did. He did. I thought he was fairly accurate throwing off his back foot a lot in this game. He had some, he had some good completions that uh, in particular, they took advantage of the Ravens a little bit on crossing patterns in this mm-hmm. game, but it was a lot of shallow stuff. Even at the end of the, the first half, when they had, they strung together a set of completions on the drive that they went for the field goal in a, in short order, even that was uh was fairly good amount of pressure and, he was he was uh, making some just some very good throws. A lot of times, you just have to tip your hat to the other athlete. It's not necessarily mm-hmm. about your guys, right? Yeah, and that's what I'm um, trying to emphasize here is, uh, is is that this was really a good win for the for the team. Um, like any and, seventeen yeah. point win, even against a bad team, beating them thirty three to sixteen <laughs> like this. It would still be a hell of a win. I mean, right. you know, the, the Ravens are literally never favored by 17. So the gamblers would tell you never to expect it. Yeah. Uh, and Houston is probably, and I'll say probably, the best 0-2 team in the NFL. If they find a way to beat the Steelers, I mean, they they, they have the worst schedule to open up with mm-hmm. the Chiefs, the Ravens, and the Steelers. But if they find a way to beat the Steelers, they're probably going to beat the Vikings the way they look, and they'll be 2-2 two and two, just like that. And then the thick of things again, Bill O'Brien, he might be a weird GM, but, but he, he gets his team able to be able to play, you know, um, seemingly with, I mean, he did that at Penn state, you know, seemingly with, with whoever is available. Okay. Well, let's, let's um, move on a little bit. I think we've, we've kind of massaged over all the things we like that are good about this, giving some people some feel good. We got to talk about the bad news. And that's Tavon, yeah. of course. Um, just breaks my heart. I've now passed that point in the video probably five times and if not more. And every time I look at it, um, you know, I just, it's another ACL injury to a cornerback, which seems to be the Ravens every year sort of thing. You know, it obviously happened twice to Lardarius Webb now three times to Tavon just it, every time it just, it just twists you in a knot to see it happen. Uh, um, Sometimes it's sometimes it's just like that. Ladarius Webb, thankfully, were, was able to put together a few really good seasons before he started going down. Um, but, you know, we've we've had Michael Campanero and all of his injuries, and uh, what can you say? It 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 stinks. Um, one of the things that I that I like about the Ravens organization is that they take care of people who have unfortunate breaks. Um. You know, not to um, uh, not to say that it's the same level at all, but um, from from Tavon Young to a career-ending injury uh, like uh, uh, Orr, the the linebacker. Yep. And um, you could even go all the way to the top of 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 tragic cir- tragic circumstances with OJ Brigance. So, mm-hmm. um. That's that's one of the reasons I think why people like the Ravens so much in the business and and, and they they build up a lot of good equity, a lot of good um, uh, uh, vibes about just by doing things the right way. All right. So we're 
have to go through the five stages pretty quickly, as you always do in football with Tavon, and now talk about how do the Ravens replace him? And I think, you know, as I see it, there's five options. And I kind of want to go through these pretty quickly. And then let's talk about each if we if we can, Jason. But I think they can start, they can leave Humphrey at slot corner. They did last year. I think they still will need to find another corner of some type if they do that. But a, a possibility is to drop Jimmy Smith's cornerback responsibility, move him back to being a starting outside corner, which he'll be whenever they're in the nickel. And then that means somebody like Geno Stone has to be activated and brought in to play the back end, or they need to find another safety on the market, or they need to find another corner on the market. But we're going to get to those options a little later. But it really be either Nigel Warrior or Geno Stone needs to take a bigger role if you move Jimmy back to the outside. And even then, they would only have four cornerbacks. That is an unsafe level for a team to con- continue at for a regular season. Um. Well, just saying as far as keeping Humphrey and putting him in the slot, putting Jimmy Smith on the outside, you sign Jimmy Smith. Um, most teams aren't able to put a Jimmy Smith on the outside in this particular case. Um, last year, that's what they did, and they and it was, for the most part, successful. Um, so that would be the, if it's not broke, don't fix it in a strange, bizarre, bizarro way, um, way to handle it. Um, in which case, uh, yeah, there are people that can be brought, uh, up from the practice squad or someone else's practice squad or, or even a free agent. We can go over those options. Yeah. Um, keeping Humphrey on the outside, um, where presumably he's, he does best. I actually saw, I actually saw a play, at least one play, where Humphrey was on the inside and Young was on the outside um, before he got hurt. So, that's a chase people, play. Yeah. Um. So, uh, uh, we'll have to see. And and Averett is not completely shut out of this yet no no and i'm i'm not shutting out Averett because i i like who he is and i actually agree with harbaugh that i think he had a pretty good game not terrible anyway uh you know the it's it's there's a damning consistency to the fact that they threw four balls as well all four got caught and there's a little excuse for everyone in terms of the penalty or they slipped or this or that or one of them was really good coverage all true um but he's got a few make a few plays in addition to that so you'd want to see that but he's not, you know, he's not the only consideration here because even if he were the fourth corner, I'd say the Ravens still need another actual corner on the roster mm-hmm. uh, besides Jimmy Smith and him. I mean, they've lost, they lost obviously a player who's going to play most of the snaps at, in the slot in Tavon, and and Jimmy Smith himself is probably not enough to fill those shoes because Jimmy, I don't think you can count on him to play the. But this is really strange because we're talking about a player who just got hurt, but I didn't think mm-hmm. you could talk about, you know, count on Jimmy to play a full season either. Yeah, I mean, he's he's probably best having a limited number of snaps so that you can try to keep him stretched out all year. Right. Um, but you've lost that luxury at this point. He's going to have to have more snaps either at safety or at corner um, okay. as a DB. 
Chase, I'm going to go through these other four options real quickly, and then we go back and talk, talk about them. Okay, so number two is elevate one of the two practice squad cornerbacks. So Terrell Bonson, Khalil Dorsey, you mentioned them. They're 5'8 they're and 5'9", respectively. I don't know for a fact that both of them are thought of as exclusively slot corners, but at that height, the Ravens really have too many aircraft carrier options on the outside. So I think the fact they kept both of them actually was, they thought, an insurance policy for uh, Tavon. And let me continue Absolutely. on with the rest. Yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. Continue on with the rest of this. Um, they can find a player on another team's practice squad. And I think there are probably players that they scouted in the last time the draft came around that they would have liked to have. Maybe they would even thought are worth a draft pick that might be on somebody's practice squad and unprotected right now that they could try and pick up. And so we, we don't really know how they're viewing everybody else's practice squads. We know how the claims went, but the Ravens certainly didn't have room on their roster to make a claim during the waiver period on cutdown day or after cutdown day. Mm-hmm. But they, they now that they have an opening, well, all of a sudden they have room. And Khalil Dorsey and Terrell Bonds are not necessarily the best two options out there on any practice squad. They're just the best options available on their practice squad. Uh yeah, there's, there's, I took a quick look over practice squads. There's not much. Um, a couple names, Javaris Davis uh, from the Dolphins and Tyler Hall from the Falcons uh, jumped out at me. And it, it's not, it, you don't necessarily have to have a really short guy at slot, you know, um, Change your direction skills. That's all I require. He could he could be a little taller, but you know your your six one six two guys rarely have that. Yeah, and there are a lot of six one six two guys, kind of guys that are that are on practice squads right now. Josh Nurse, you know, was the great length option for the Ravens at corner. They didn't even retain him, which is very strange. But uh, but they retained two slot guys instead of him. I think that's. I think that's with Tavon Young in mind. On a, it, it's with Tavon Young in mind. And I would note that Nigel Warrior, the safety, did play some slot at Tennessee. So he's capable. I don't know if he's the best option for that. Right. There's, there are a fair number of those guys now around the NFL that really are safety slot guys, Teron Matthew being the best of that group probably. Mm-hmm. But uh, but there are a fair number of those uh, now. There was one in the last draft that that I was thinking might be a good pickup, but um, I'm forgetting the name now. Might have been the Clemson guy. I'll come back to it. Okay, um, a lot of Clemson guys. Yes. <laughs> so so uh, uh, number four option was signing a street free agent. There are guys out there. Um, mm-hmm. Prince of Makamura has been a name that's come up. He's an outside corner. He's not going to move to the slot at this point. He's 31 mm-hmm. years old. Um, he's got that aircraft carrier size, 6'1", 204, that you know, they'd want on the outside, but it would give them some additional depth at corner. Um, I almost think that uh, Makamura might be a guy that you put in Jimmy Smith's new role at safety if you were starting the preseason now. If yeah. you're just, you know, if you're just going to camp, you might have these two guys and you say, well, okay, Jimmy Smith's going to be our fourth corner and Amakamura going to try and make a safety out of you. So uh, anyway, he's, he's, uh, they're both have, of, are of similar size. I just think that, that uh, Jimmy's probably been a little less, a little more fragile over the years in terms of uh, how yeah. he's gotten through injury. You got Tremont Williams is available. Um, Morris Claiborne's out there. 
probably the name I would look at would be BW Web um, if I had to go that route. But it's it's not what I would choose. I would probably take the practice squad guy um, and probably emphasize the ones that have been in camp uh, over ones that have been in other people's camps. Right. That's I mean, they, they certainly have the advantage. If you want to go the resource route, you can trade for a player and, and they're going to, whoever you get by that means, they're going to probably have some sort of significant cost, whether it comes in draft capital because they're giving up a decent player who doesn't make a lot of money, or they're going to have a cap cost that you really don't want to spend because it's tw- spending twenty twenty one dollars effectively when the dollars are going to be worth more. Yeah, and and that that's a possibility. But there are a lot of teams right now in the NFL that if they hadn't given up on the season, they should feel like they need to give up on the season at this point. I'm thinking Denver in particular comes to mind as a team that's decimated by injuries already. Wasn't that good to start uh, yeah. with? <laughs> and the Giants, um, the the Niners maybe even, depending on how long Garoppolo's out. You know, that's that's a really scary situation, obviously, for them. But they if they're if they want to be the Patriots in terms of kind of predicting the future, trying to look into the crystal ball and say, this ain't working, we gotta fix it, um, then they'll then they'll decide that hey, trading a trading a corner might not be that bad an idea. I don't know who they have that fits the description. They they could be in a position to trade a left tackle to somebody. Jimmy Ward comes to mind. Now he's but a safety, he right? Expensive. I think he's a safety. I think he can. He might be able to play some slot. Okay. But he's. Uh, I liked him coming out in the draft, but I. I think he's too expensive. So. Okay. I, I really have no idea who that might be. We're just going to have to see uh, what what EDC does. Right. So there's a there's a whole lot they've. You know, I'm the thing I'm most encouraged about is how quickly they fixed everything about the defense in 2019. You know, two new linebackers. They got, you know, Ward picked up on the street. Then they got two new nose tackles. You know, mm-hmm. they, they did everything they had to to fix that defense on the fly. And I'm really expecting a quick and decisive move here. I think, you know, it does the, the fact that the four corners they've got right now are okay is great. But I think really now with the injury, I mean, they have to take Jimmy Smith off safety duties, I would think, at this point. Mm-hmm. I don't think you can have those four guys, unless you have another – corner you really believe in i don't think they can have those four guys basically all on the field at the same time and thus risk the you know losing one of them and 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 being without well i know there's a lack of comfort regarding moving smith to corner and then not having another one but if you rotate smith to outside corner you activate geno stone you bring up nigel warrior um you'll still have bonds and dorsey on the practice squad and maybe you can protect them. Yeah, I don't even know if you have to protect them, honestly. They're they're underwhelming unless the Ravens know something they've seen from camp. And if they do, then nobody else really knows. I mean, the, the amount that Bonds got on film in the 2019 preseason is negligible. And so it's basically what have they done in camp this year that people will be thinking about. The fact that the Ravens have them on their practice squad, I don't think that's enough evidence for other teams to say we, we got to have them. Yeah, but yeah, at, every team in the NFL has a couple corners on their practice yeah. squad, pretty much. Oh, yeah, they could bring Bennett Jackson back, maybe. I yeah, he's, I think he's active with the Jets. I think he's on their active Is roster. Active? I might I might be wrong. He might be on their practice squad. That's the Ravens AAA team. <laughs> the Ravens, Ravens are the AAA team for the Jets, too, unfortunately. Um, all right, well, let's, let's 
move on to the game itself because we we, we want to enjoy this win a little bit for what it is. And obviously, everything comes with such a heavy price, and as as fans, we're natural worry warts. But let's keep going on, on on what happened in the Texans game. Talk a little bit about packages for starters. Um, I thought one of the most interesting things was the Ravens did not run a single snap of the base defense. Now, they ran 20 such snaps in week one. I made the point that last year they didn't run their 20th snap of base defense until week five. Hmm. But this year they ran them all, they ran 20 in week one, zero in week two, which, by the way, is tremendous disrespect for the Texans' highly disrespect-worthy line. Because <laughs> they, they uh, uh, ran a lot of the same 12 personnel that the Browns ran. They have a couple of pretty big tight ends in Fells and Aikens. Yeah. And, you know, it's not that dissimilar. But the choice, instead of playing the base defense, was to play big nickel. So they brought Anthony yeah. Levine, who started the game, onto the field. Uh, I think I think that's the effect, ultimately, of having Deshaun Watson out there instead of Baker Mayfield. Mm-hmm. And also having David Johnson, uh, who I, I thought looked actually pretty spry, um, but he's not Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. Yeah, there you go. I mean, those those guys are special in terms of both speed and in Chubb's case, in terms of power. Certainly, even in Hunt's case, he's pretty powerful back. But uh, uh, yeah. the 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 Texan uh, the Texans I had um, running one two personnel. Interestingly enough, their most successful drive, the one that ended in the touchdown. Um, otherwise, I have a lot of 1-1. They run I, – I, I thought I saw as many different 1-1 groupings as, as I could possibly see. Right. They, they played 1.24 tight ends per play. So they had to, they had to basically be at least 24% 12 personnel. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I think, uh, yeah, a lot of those plays were on that touchdown drive. Could could well be, and they they uh, um, they opened. I, th- I know they opened in twelve because that they they were using. It was Levine was the reaction to twelve personnel, and Levine most of his snaps came early. In fact, he was done by halftime. Mm-hmm. Uh, so so I I think you're right that it was a, the touchdown drive in the first half was was part of it. And Levine gave up that touchdown, didn't he? He was on the field and he actually surrendered it. Yeah, he was draped all over the tight end, but he couldn't. Yeah. You know, there's too much mass right. for him there. Uh, he's he's certainly been the man of the past, but I think he's probably past the point where he can um, he can be the cover guy the Ravens need. Uh, you know, certainly in any kind of slot role, and uh, it's 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 you know it has not it has not not that much time has passed since that huge 2018 final drive where he had the two passes defensed out of four on the stand against Cleveland that ultimately finished with Mosley's interception. Yeah, uh, actually, I think. If I recall correctly, on that play, there was a little bit of uh, bumping, like people kind of ran into each other a little bit. Mm-hmm. And um, Watson, you know, uh, did his dancing around a little bit and found, uh, was it Aikens or was that Fells? Either I way. Fells for the touchdown, right? Yeah. Big dude. Yeah. All right. Well, let's talk other packages here. One of the big success stories of the day was the standard nickel. And I want to harp on this a little bit. They ran the standard nickel 27 times. And the Ravens' hallmark historically has been to be able to stop the run in 11 personnel with Mm -hmm. the standard nickel. And you mentioned they played a lot of 11. You're absolutely right. Um, They neutralized the um, 
run from 11 personnel for 10 for 37. So 3.7 yeah. yards per carry, a little bit better than their average, but way better, you know, way better than the 2019 Ravens. And they were a little bit creative, actually, about how they worked around that in terms of who the edge defenders were. But we'll get into that a little bit later. Um, but I thought the standard nickel was was um, very effective in terms of, of getting that done. And they also only allowed 4.6 yards per pass in these 27 standard nickel snaps. So that's when you know you're really doing it right. when You can toss mm-hmm. one defense out there and say, go ahead, toss whatever you got at us in terms of 11 anyway. <laughs> and uh, and we can stop you with this. I remember a quote from Ray Lewis back in the day about that great, great, great defense of 2000, that they can stay in their base defense and beat you no matter what you do. That was then, you know, now we have to play nickel and dime. Yeah. But. I hate to call out Ray on that, but it was complete horseshit. <laughs> the, the, uh, the Ravens played more um, six and seven DB packages that year than uh-huh. they ever had at any time prior to 2019. Thirty-four and a half percent diamond quarter that year. I, it, it's a complete disrespect to three guys who are already forgotten. You know, shout out Rob, to Anthony Mitchell. <laughs> well, uh, Anthony Mitchell's not one of them, but Robert no. Bailey. Who's Robert the, Bailey? Yes, uh, James Trapp. Yes, and, okay, James and Corey Harris. And they were three journeyman NFL players that played a ton of the highest leverage snaps for that great Ravens defense. And and uh, Ray is really dissing them to, to say they could stay in the base defense forever. They didn't do it. Marvin was a, really loved these heavy DB personnel packages at that point. And, okay, uh, I stand corrected. And, no, and, you don't stand corrected. Ray stands corrected. Ray, cool. Well, he was always one for the cameras, you know. <laughs> All right. All right. Uh, let's see. One snap at Jumbo Nickel. Uh, they used that 10 times in week one. Again, that's it. That's a heavy run defense. It's more akin to the base than anything. So this was the closest that came. Uh, they only ran it once in this game. Uh, and, and they had Queen as the solo inside linebacker then. And then they played 20 snaps a game. Variety of dime. Uh, dime. I'm sorry. Uh, 20 snaps of dime. And, and that was a variety of types. Uh, only... Uh, one of those was the race car I've talked about, but they have a kind of a standard dime, I call it, where they have one inside linebacker, three outside linebackers, and one defensive lineman. So they, they kick an outside linebacker, usually Levine, sometimes Ward to the inside, and they, they run it that way. Uh, or they do it also with two defensive linemen when they have both Wolf and Campbell on the field, three outside linebackers, and forsake the inside linebacker in, in, entirely in the dime. That was successful in this game. They ran that nine times, only 29 yards against them. So uh, they were good with that. Um, at, at standard dime, they ran a lot on the Texans' field goal drive at the end of the half. And so mm-hmm. that gave up 49 yards and, uh, and kind of drove them down the field. Okay. <laughs> That's all I can say there. All right, fair enough. Uh, quarter defense, they had one snap of quarter in there. It was the final snap of the first half where they had a interesting two-man pass rush. They threw at the Browns, where they uh, the Browns, the Texans, where they dropped three to cover from the line of scrimmage. Okay, I have a I have a question. I saw a number of Deshaun Elliott blitzes mm-hmm. this particular week. Uh, what formation did those blitzes most usually come out of? Uh, I mean, most of his blitzing was in the dime, but it doesn't, it wasn't exclusively so. And what I was noticing that is that they did a great amount of rotation between him and Clark with two in, but mm-hmm. also him, Clark and Smith with three in. 
So they were really, I mean, in the, in the past, they've tried to give lip service to the fact that anybody can play back and anybody can play forward. A lot of times I think that's a bad idea. It's a terrible idea if your two safeties are Jefferson and Weddle, who have very distinct ability sets, mm-hmm. skill, skill sets that are, that are going to make them out of place, fish out of water, you know, with Weddle not playing on the back end and Tony trying to get Tony to play the back end, you know, and, and uh, cover there. It's, just, it's very different skill sets. But these three guys are close enough in terms of skill set that you can, you can rush them, you can keep them deep, and they're they're all adequate in doing that, and it kind of mixes things up for the opponent, which is kind of good. Um, I, I I prefer not to have Jimmy Smith covering a very big man like Aiken in terms of Aikens in terms of the tackle. I think Clark is more suited to that um, in terms of uh, you know being around the line of scrimmage. I love Elliot, but if you put up near the line of scrimmage, I think you put his body at risk there too because he's a vicious hitter. And, you know, it's it, it seems like it's dangerous for him to always want to stick his neck in there with the with the problems he's had so far in his career. I actually have a note here that um, Chuck Clark ended up on the center. On the first play of the fourth quarter, meaning because, blocked by the center on an A gap blitz. Uh, Yeah. Or, or he 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 ended up there. He was in and around. I, I noticed that he was around the line of scrimmage too, an awful lot. Um, that particular play was an incomplete pass um, towards Humphrey and Chuck. <laughs> I said Chuck Clark was was there right next to the uh, right next to the center. I just found that amusing. Right. He he lines up on the line of scrimmage a fair amount. The Ravens like to show either double A or even him. Uh, mm-hmm. in, in a slightly different gap, which a lot of people call double A anyway, when two guys are you know up from either safety and linebacker to threaten two gaps on a blitz. So uh, you know, not, not not shocking that happens. Clark has been very effective so far as a pass rusher this year. Yeah, um, he's um, he. Uh, there had been some discussions about what the Ravens were going to do for a a dime linebacker and uh, seeing as he already has the green dot and such like that, I thought Chuck Clark would be someone to fill in those shoes, but then they drafted two inside linebackers and, and, um, but it it seems like Wink is having a lot of fun with whoever's and and every, and everybody seems to be willing to play whatever role was uh, required of them. Yeah, lots of definitely lots of moving parts, and you know, there's a, there's a lot of things I like about the way this defense is assembled. Obviously, it's very deep in a lot of different places, so Wink can do the old eyedropper of the snaps to everybody. And I think you get not only do you get a more rested player in that under those circumstances, I think you get a more motivated player because they know, boy, I got to do something with this snap that I have because I don't know when I'm going to get my next one. So if you're well, having- if yeah, I'll have a think about that on the defensive tackles later. Okay, sure. We can talk about that later if you want. Okay, so talk a little bit about pass rush. How about that now? Mm-hmm. Okay, so uh, we usually talk about it in terms of numbers and deception, but to, to lay the overall ground, Watson had ample time and space on only 9 of 39 dropbacks. That's 23% this week. Big improvement from 44% offered up to Baker Mayfield. And the mm-hmm. Ravens did not do anything more. In fact, they probably did less in terms of deception and numbers to make that happen. 
which is a double double hitter there. Cleveland's offensive line is better than Houston's offensive line. Absolutely. And uh, but in addition to that, I the Ravens played better up front as well in in that regard and um it was up and down like um i took a when i looked over the film i i just wrote one name for each play as the person that most impressed me for that play Hmm. and it is pretty well spread out Um, that's a really good idea by the way I, i i i like that as an idea for someone to do that, just write down the player you're most impressed by on that play, and then see how many times everybody's name shows up. Right. Some of them I say none, but <laughs> not, not very often. All right. We 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 have a, a somewhat similar system when we take notes as we go through, and I, I I talk about the players on on each play that that either did something or didn't do something, and then we we have a column where the numbers that are included are indexed, so I can go back and I can mm-hmm. pick out all the plays for that player. But that's it's a, that's a uh, I think that's a very good method you've uh, you just invented there to do that. Um, talk a little bit more about the pass rush here. I, I do think that one difference between this week and last week was that Cleveland used more eligible receivers to block than the Texans did. The Texans yeah. don't don't really do a lot of that. Um, it really showed up in the second half. Uh, they, they, the nine of 39, the 23% was the overall ATS rate, but in the second half, it was just three of 19, 16% ample time and space in the second half. That's what, that's what Lamar got last week in the game by the Browns. was continually harried. They've got these guys. I mean, after, after trading Nuck, they, they've got these guys, uh, that are a little smaller, shifty, not necessarily the best well-known blockers to my knowledge. You know, Brandon Cooks types that need to be down the field. But the the down-the-field throws that, that Deshaun Watson was looking for, he just didn't have enough time to throw those throws. And even if he did, Marcus Peters... He made a play, and I think he probably got in his head because I was looking for Marcus Peters, and he was just nowhere to be found. And I think it's because Watson didn't want to throw his way. Yeah, he got targeted. He definitely might have gotten the fine twenty-four on every play treatment after the interception. Mm-hmm. That was that was just a. It was a fantastic interception. I'm sure we're going to get to that later. So let's let's uh, let's leave sure. that for a little bit because I know as we bring up players, we'll definitely want to talk about that one. Um. I want to talk a little bit about the pass rush by numbers. Um, nothing really was terrible. Uh, they had one two-man rush that was it went for a nine-yard play at the end of the half. That's obviously not a big enough sample to worry about. 21 four-man rushes, 6.6 yards per pass, but they had, they had two sacks and a turnover in that group. Uh, five-man rush, which you know is, is where people start to call it a blitz by numbers, not me. I don't care, but a five-plus-man five rush is usually how people define it. 15 plays, 109 yards, 7.3 yards per play. Had one of the turnovers on that, too. They had two six-man rushes that went for minus three, including a sack, and no rushes of seven-plus. So they didn't really sell out on any. They rushed five-plus 17 times out of 39, which is lower than the Ravens have done on average. Uh, They were at 54% last week, and 17 out of 39 is obviously less than half. I didn't calculate it, but, um, you know, it's 40-some percent. And, uh, you know, it's just it was a game where they they tossed less in terms of numbers at the Texans than they had the Browns the previous week. 
I saw a lot of linebackers in coverage this week for better or worse. They the one guy that did not show up in coverage as much this week is more more used as a pass rusher was Judon. And I didn't yes. I didn't I don't know what the final number was on this, but I had a relatively limited number of drops from the line of scrimmage for Judon. Now he can play over center uh where he's looking to to rush through any of a number of gaps. They they sometimes do that. If he's at least two yards off the line of scrimmage, I didn't necessarily count that as a coverage drop if he did drop mm-hmm. but but he, he had many fewer he, he dropped something like 16 times last week into coverage from the line of scrimmage I think I saw a higher number on PFF than that and mm-hmm. he's not going to be happy doing that and I think also he's probably not as effective as he could be if he rushed the passer more I well this particular week I, I noticed as well that he did more rushing of the passer uh, and less dropping back uh, and he was also involved in several of the stunts Yes, um, that the Ravens did um, that were largely effective. Yeah, tremendously successful with the stunts. So, yeah, deception is what we talk about next usually. So 13 individual blitzes from off the line of scrimmage down from 20 last week uh, was a few uh, fewer uh, pass attempts, I believe, or uh, close to the same amount, but a few, a couple fewer. Um, they, they had uh, four individual blitzes from Humphrey off the slot corner was the most of any individual of that group. Mm-hmm. But I want to, I want to go to the stunts as you've mentioned, because they stunted six times in that game. That's not mm-hmm. an absurd amount. I've seen a lot more stunning in the past up to in the twenties in the Marvin Lewis era, he would mm-hmm. stunt almost every play. It seemed like, but you know, basically if you blitz, you're less likely to be able to stunt combinations of a blitz with a stunt are fairly rare. But you can you can often uh, stunt and even call it on the field. Doesn't have to be called from the sideline. We've been slavering over the various players coming into uh, the Ravens this year who could be great stunt under players or stunt over players. Campbell, Wolf, Matabike, all great under stunters. The last Campbell and Matabike both great loopers and the Ravens already have outside linebackers who we know can loop. Mm-hmm. They really showed up in this game. And this was, uh, this was without Matabike who's, who's mm-hmm. uh, still has yet to play, but I saw Campbell comboing with Ward Campbell comboing with McPhee McPhee and Judon, I believe. Um, Judon just, was involved uh, in several of the stunts. Yeah. And um, uh, it's, it's nice it's nice to see. I, I'm, a, I'm a guy that grew up on on the old Ravens teams, and I just naturally gravitate towards defense. And it's just fun. It's fun watching uh, stunts and twists and and uh, and blitzes, but maybe not together. Yeah, that's a that's a that's an interesting shared experience that, that you know we both grew up watching the the glory days of the Ravens when defense was what you had to root for. And I never thought it would be fun to root for a team, being a Jones-era Colt fan growing up, mm-hmm. that would be a great defensive team primarily and an offensive team only as an afterthought, frankly. You know, what do we do after we get a turnover? Um, it, but that those Ravens teams are so much fun to watch on defense. It was almost fun for the other team to get the ball because you were wondering, you know, yeah. what might happen now. It's or, so true. Yes. You wonder, are they going to go backwards? Is there going to be a turnover? You know, nope. it's, it's, uh, 
it, it's it's great. But I mean, this this particular uh, incarnation of the team is the first one, really, I right. think, in in the Ravens franchise that has both an offense to fear and a defense to fear. Yeah, and 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 the the current set of fans that are just joining now are going to be grafted to Lamar Jackson more than any of the defenders. Cause honestly, uh, you know, the, the, the defense is without, you know, a bunch of big names, maybe Calais Campbell could be that, you know, maybe mm-hmm. Marcus Peters could be that maybe Marlon Humphrey could be that, but they lack that one really great name. Yeah. Thomas, I guess could have been that he's gone now. So, you know, it, it's, it's, it, it's interesting. I mean, I, I, I think that this, the gravitation of new fans is primarily going to be attracted to the offense of of Lamar Jackson more than it. Points sell tickets. Yeah. If points didn't sell tickets, they wouldn't be changing the the rules to help the offense so much. It certainly appears that they have. Last point on the stunts: six stunts in the game resulted in four quarterback hits and one sack. And and quarterback hits are sacks, but it's one sack and four other quarterback hits is what I mean by mm-hmm. that. So five total quarterback hits. Um, that five is a tremendous. Tremendous return on your investment there uh, to to get that done. All right, we're going to see more of that as the as the season progresses, especially when Matabuke is ready. Makes makes all kinds of sense, and uh, you know it's it's just it's exciting to have a team that is this versatile in terms of scheme because the guys in the secondary can all run for the ones who get going when the going gets tough, and the ones who know we're tougher together. For the pathfinders breaking new ground. Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as fast access to experts and 24-7 customer support. Because we know you have people depending on you, so you can always depend on us. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Introducing the Lowe's List for Innovation. While our aisles are filled with innovative products, we've selected our favorites just for you. Like the exclusive Whirlpool washer with industry-first two-in-one removable agitator. We love this washer because you can customize any load. And with other smart features to streamline your laundry routine, this product is a must-have for families. Shop the full Lowe's list of top picks at Lowe's.com. Lowe's, home to any budget, home to any possibility. U.S. only. Patrick Queen is loving any chance he gets to rush, and mm-hmm. looks like he can really do the job. We've seen good, good rushing from LJ Ford, a big vicious QH in this game. You know, just it's a, it's a varied team in terms of of how they can bring pressure by scheme. Uh, they've got Campbell, who's a one on one winner potentially, but mainly they're going to get home by scheme this year. It looks like. Man, I'm getting amped up. Give me the Chiefs. Give yeah. me the Chiefs. Let's do it. All right, let's talk about some individual players here and and uh, and and maybe pick it up a little bit. But let's uh, uh, why don't you pick a player and give us your thoughts on the guy, what you saw, and I'll kind of respond to that, and then I'll move on and pick one. Sure, um, Derek Wolf. I noticed uh, did uh, pretty good on the offense, uh, defensive line, penetrating on several plays, uh, made a number of plays throughout the game, um, and. Uh, even I had him as a uh, blah, 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 blah. he made tackles. He made a tackle down the field that mm-hmm. uh, um, otherwise one of the one of the signs. It's just great to see for a defense is when you see defensive linemen tackle down the field. Um, there's one play that I had. It was some someone else, but but um, uh, I saw a, a lot of that. 
and uh, Wolf played um, he played well. He didn't flash, but he played well uh, throughout the game, I thought. Yeah, I, I, I liked what Wolf's added so far. He definitely had a, a big under contribution in the week one to Queen's sack, even though it was on a blitz. It was a little bit like a stunt in the fact that he crossed Wolf's butt to to get past in. He had 29 snaps in this game. His snap total was down, but he was still second uh, to Campbell in terms of defensive line playing time because there were a lot total, lot fewer total defensive line snaps in this game. So I, I liked Wolf a lot. I, I thought what he did uh, was quite good. I'll talk about Tyus Bowser, uh, 32 snaps in this game. Uh, he is really looking like a dogged uh, pass rusher this year, which I love. Uh, he's done a little bit of coverage as well. Uh, he's one guy that, that they don't mind dropping at all. Uh, probably he's certainly their best coverage outside linebacker. Um, he, he was not the most used in the first week, but this this uh, week he was used more as a coverage guy uh, and Judon was used less. They had a QH and a sack in this game. Uh, they dropped, I have it here, nine times uh, from the line of scrimmage. Uh, in fact, the one time he, one of the times where he had the drive ending quarterback hit, he had actually dropped the cover, then rushed the passer after Watson broke the pocket, which to me is not a pass rusher. That's, that's, uh, after the the pass rush has been determined, um, mm-hmm. but but uh, that was an interesting play. I thought Tyus is really having a great year so far uh, uh, as among the Raven defenders. Uh, Bowser in particular did a lot of things that I saw that were um, uh, hidden accomplishments. You know things that that that. Uh, won't show up in his uh, stat sheet, but were particularly good. Um, and uh, I'm not sure if I should talk about him now or later, but uh, uh, I'm going to have him as one of my three stars. That's that's okay. Cause you, you can just refer back and said, I gave you the reasons earlier on your three stars. So sure. if you want to talk, this is a great time to talk about him. Well, I mean, um, there was a, there was a play uh, early on, which was kind of a, a, a wide receiver lateral kind of play. And I saw, Bowser was the one that sniffed it out. He was the one that stood up and pointed first. Um, he identified what was going to happen, and actually Wolf got the tackle on that play on the wide receiver. That's probably the play I was talking about with Wolf. This is Fulton. Um, Fulton taking a lateral for a number of yards here, I think. That was the only – sorry, Fuller. Fuller. Fuller for zero yeah. yards, uh, which was – which is great. And it's worth noting that Will Fuller had zero targets as well in this game. It is indeed um, worth noting. Uh, Bowser also, I, I noticed on a, on a, on a, um, uh, a running back draw up the a gap. Uh, Bowser did a nice scrape behind uh, the offensive line and um, blew that play up. Uh, there was a play, uh, one of the tight end passes <clears throat> during the touchdown drive. But I noticed Bowser ran all the way across the field to make that tackle on the on the tight end. Um, and um, uh, which is pretty good pursuit. And I noted a play as well where um, he took away. Yeah, he took away um, uh, Deshaun Watson's primary read. 
to a tight end. He was covering that tight end, and he had to uh, throw the ball instead to the to uh, Johnson, who was subsequently tackled by Clark. It's often, so, often you miss that on air on the broadcast, but he, nine nine times he dropped the coverage as I counted it. He wasn't targeted in this game, so right. that's a that's really nice. This this guy, it, I know it's a contract year, and sometimes people play up for con- I don't think he's just steadily getting better. I'm really a fan of this guy. That's just my opinion. Much and, better draft um, pick than Tim Williams. I think we can agree on that. Ten times better draft pick than Tim Williams, yeah. All right. Oh, all right. It's my turn. I'm sorry. I talked about Bowser all. <laughs> um, do you want to go again? No, please. Um, similar to Bowser, uh, Judon, uh, had a good game in my opinion, but it was, we, we talked about him earlier a little bit. Um, but I had him down for four points like Bowser. I had, I had Bowser with four points, Judon with four points. Um, uh, and, uh, uh Judon in, in his particular case, uh, was more as a pass rusher, as a disruptor. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't always have to get the sack to affect the play. Um, he he, is a couple of the pressures that he put on uh, Watson caused errant throws um, that uh, uh, impacted the game. So. Yeah. Two, two things about that. The, the first is that I completely agree with the point you made uh, that you don't have to influence, you don't have to, to get the sack, but he was in there first with a flush uh, mm-hmm. multiple times. And I have, mm-hmm. I have him for a QH and three pressures, but every time that he stunted, he stunted four times. You, you heard they went five for six on the stunt. He, he right. contributed in each case to what eventually became a quarterback hitter sack with yep. an initial flush of the pocket on the three mm-hmm. that were not his. So I thought that was great. And uh, and you know what I thought I saw too? Judon just looked really quick to me in terms of making two and even three gap stunts. And that's that's really unusual for a big guy like that. But, I mean, he he, went, he had one where he went all the way across around the, around the offensive left side starting on the right. It was like a three-gap stunt, literally. And, I, you know, you just do not see that. And he got there quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, the Ravens are fortunate right now to have two people in Bowser and Judon that are somewhat similar um, uh, and capable of not only rushing the passer, but um, dropping back. And, and, and um, yeah, um, it's, it's going to be a... Um, uh, it's going to be a discussion after the season. Do they keep one? Can they keep both? Probably not. And and what's the price difference going to be? And are they going to go after re-signing one of them? Yeah, it's a, it, it is. It, it's a great you know thing they're going to have to decide because the two Sam linebackers are the real key to the scheme that Martindale has. His ability to generate pass rush by scheme is largely dependent on having two coverage outside linebackers on most passing downs 
And you know he uses them regularly to drop. That gives him all sorts of flexibility in terms of the other moving parts, whether you're blitzing the slot corner, blitzing a safety, uh, bringing inside linebacker. All of those other options you have are largely dependent on your ability to drop someone because you have you have one fewer option. Let's put it that way. You might be able to rush five, but you can't mm-hmm. rush you can't rush two other guys from off the line of scrimmage without having an outside linebacker that you kind of kind of trust. Right to, to drop to cover. So I, you know, the, the other thing is Sam linebackers very hard to identify in college because most of them are the primary pass rushers at, at the places where they play. So you have yeah. very few coverage snaps to really look at. Yeah, I can I can see that. Um, if if you're a college star, they want you in the backfield. There you go. Uh, do you have any anybody else in particular? Yeah, who else do I want to talk about? Uh, we can talk about Marcus Peters. Um, you know, we we did I guess a little bit earlier. Um, I think what I loved about that interception more than anything was the closing the window nature of it. And I, I kind of I'm going to give you my impression of it, and then. And then, you know, this this happened all the time with Flacco, that he would say, I didn't even see that guy. And it was, I remember an interception, the Eagles game a few years ago, let him back into the game where they eventually Mm -hmm. missed a two-point conversion, the Ravens won. But, But it's always the same thing, that when the window is closing from the opposite side, okay, the quarterback is focused on the trailing coverage to make sure he can outthrow that player and avoid the interception. Mm-hmm. So he's trying to solve that differential equation in his mind without knowing it's a differential equation by by throwing to you know with enough lead on the ball that that his guy is the only one who can get there. Football it, and differential equations. There you go. And outfielders do the <laughs> same thing by the way, but outfielders don't have ever a competing baseball or a competing player usually Coming mm-hmm. to the equation. Sometimes they have collisions with other outfielders or infielders, but that's not really what I'm talking about. Or walls. Your, your walls. Hey, there's another good one. They're not too much of a differential equation to solve, but yes, <laughs> walls. Mm-hmm. Um, but they, the, uh, the, the player that's coming to close that window, in a sense, he's moving at a higher rate of speed because he's coming towards the closing window and the quarterback is having to try and lead the other side of the window. And, and so he's, he's multiply dangerous. So I, I loved it from that sense, but I loved all the other things about this interception too. I loved the fact that Peters had no problem immediately playing his read and leaving his own guy to move off to make the catch. I loved the extended extension. I loved the hands. It, it had everything that you'd ever want in a big-time interception right there. You want to know who the dude is on defense, the, the guy who's the – who can be the face, the star, it's, it's Peters. Um, P- Peter, that particular interception reminded me of something Ed Reed would do. Um, baiting the quarterback, making just being one step ahead of the quarterback on that particular play. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, making a, insanely athletic catch on top of that. Um, that's not a play that was coached. You know, it wasn't part of the design necessarily. He he was just a dude that made a very special play there. Right. Uh, and what all you can do is just be very glad that you have him. 
And why did the Rams? I, I don't. Whatever. I mean, they're happy with Jalen Ramsey. They are two and zero, so I guess can't complain about that. But why did they let this guy go? I mean, it's Jalen Ramsey at twice the cost of what Marcus Peters is, or maybe maybe one point eight times as much. But you know, we're we're talking about a big difference in in price between the two. I, I you know, and not only that, they spent twenty times as much draft capital to acquire yeah. Jalen Ramsey. So I mean, you know, it's. We can talk about that till the pigs come home. So it's whatever. We won't. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I, I, obviously, Peters gets part of the part of the credit for shutting down Fuller on the day. Uh, you know, Will Fuller's had a hell of a run now, but he had zero targets in this game, and uh, he played only thirty-seven snaps. And I've been talking to a friend of the Texans or, or a friend who follows the Texans, Rivers McCown. He said he saw him getting treatment on the sideline, so that might have had something to do with it. Right. Don't need to completely overcredit the Ravens secondary, but it's still very nice that they shut him out in this game. The essentially the Ravens, uh, essentially what Wink Martindale said is, "My DBs are better than your wide receivers." Mm-hmm. Stop us, you know. Two um, weeks in a row, he said that same thing. And for most games, he's going to be right. Um. Let's see. Um, I'd like to mention um, one particular thing. Uh, I noticed that the going from defensive backs back to the, the defensive line, that uh, the Ravens rotated uh, uh, Williams and, and Jelly Ellis. Um, mm-hmm. Like Williams played an entire se- would play an entire series, and then Ellis would play an entire series. Now Williams struggled in week one. And um, I think this was their answer for that. And I saw um, a lot of improvement. Um, I actually have Williams down for five points and I'll talk about that later, but uh, Jelly Ellis uh, played a, played a nice game himself doing what he does best, which is not really move anywhere. <laughs> there you go. Uh, no, no problem with Ellis's game. I thought Williams was terrific in this game. So yeah, we can, we can, as you like, talk about him later if you've got him in your, your uh, MVP list. Uh, possibly, but, yeah, possibly. But, but uh, the other reason I'm going to tell you why they didn't weren't on the field at the same time like they were against the Browns is that they didn't really play any three um, DL snaps. They just played one the entire game. Mm-hmm. So, so if they don't have three defensive linemen, you wouldn't ever be getting those guys on the field together. So you, you wouldn't ever see them in a standard nickel together. You'd have one of Campbell or Wolf and Williams or one of Campbell or Wolf and Ellis, but you wouldn't have, yeah. you wouldn't have two big, big guys. And there were, there were snaps where neither one of them were in the game because Campbell and Wolf can play DT. Sure. And they, and they do on passing downs. Wolf, you know, plays right over the nose and on uh, yep. some of those pass downs. So, yeah. I have the uh, the third defensive snap of the game. Now, correct me if I'm wrong on this, but I saw zero inside linebackers and uh, they, zero defensive tackles as well on that particular play. I mean, they it, do they do that a fair amount. And I want to bring up my spreadsheet here and check that that you're correct. But it's uh, wait, I can go to my paper. So the line read: Judon Campbell, Wolf McPhee and Bowser up front, and then six DBs, Clark, Peters, Smith, Elliott, Deep, Humphrey, and Young. 
Yep, you got it correct. And that's it's a, it was a dime package early on, and that's their their two o three dime. So they've got mm-hmm. they've got two down linemen, no inside linebackers, and three outside linebackers, and they played that I think nine times in this game. So they've and they, on that uh, particular play was one of the plays that they they sent uh, uh, David Johnson out wide, and Clark shadowed him on that particular play. David Johnson out wide and Clark shattered. Okay. Yeah. Uh, that yeah, makes sense. I, I saw, I saw David Johnson. Well, the one play that Houston could have gotten a huge play that, that, uh, uh, Watson missed Yep. to David Johnson. He was out wide and he did a double move out wide from what I saw on Patrick queen. Yep. It's just nothing that we can, uh, uh, as, as a rookie, uh, speaking in terms of rookies, um, Queen still has things to learn, but my gosh, is he fast? He's, it's very he's nice really to have fast. that kind of speed. That the lateral pursuit is where it really shows up because it's essentially a foot race between him and Watson a lot of times to get to the corner, and you know he's he's right there with him. He's not losing ground to him, and and that's uh, that's certainly great to see. That that play. Or uh, that went way down the sideline and really should have been thrown on the money, or or uh, you know would have been six if it had been. Let's put it that way. Yeah, probably. Um, it, it was Williams QH that Watson was anticipating as he threw that ball that made him very uncomfortable. Yeah. So it uh, you know he, he had a lot of good throws under a lot of pressure in this game. Got knocked down I think eleven times in the game. But uh, 13 quarterback hits, but two of them were, were half sacks each. So it's really only 11 for folks that are into the game book real close. Uh, mm-hmm. But anyway, I, I, I thought that play, Williams certainly impacted him in terms of, uh, of the fear. Yep. Anybody else you want to mention on an individual basis or can we move ahead to our defensive MVPs where we'll probably capture some of this? Yeah, we move on to the, the – the, uh, blah, blah, blah. Defensive MVPs, excuse me. All right, fair it. enough. Deshaun Elliott, I, 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 maybe I better mention one because he's not in my group. But is Deshaun Elliott in your group? No, no. Okay. Uh, but I, uh, it was kind of cool seeing um, the blitzing. And there was one play that I counted 10 people on the field. And I was like, where's the 11th guy? And then eventually I figured out it was Elliott that was just that deep on that particular play. So he really was all over the place. Yep, it definitely played plenty of single high, and he played close to the line of scrimmage. And uh, it, it's a it's a good mix of uh, of things. He did give up the thirty eight yard play to Cooks, which was the longest completion of the day. But he got a pressure, he got a he got a quarterback hit, and he got a sack. Uh, really nice to see him get in on the pass rush as effectively, really as Clark had been in week one mm-hmm. uh, at, at putting that together. Okay, you, you want to uh, give you number three guy in the defensive MVP list? Uh, number three guy. Well, I have, I have one guy on each level is what I have. Um, on the defensive line is Brandon Williams. Um, I gave him three points for three particular run stuffs, uh, where he was the guy that, that made that particular play. Um, I also have, I gave him a point for a deflection, uh, at the line of scrimmage. Um, and also on, uh, a pressure that, was the cause of one of the sacks. Um, right. And he could have had possibly more points than that, but, but I have, I, I saw him. Um, he was tied for the highest score that I 
gave out of any defender. Okay. So that was the, he got the flush on Bowser's sack. He got the initial mm-hmm. flush on that. That was a good one. And he got the big quarterback hit that, that kept Johnson from getting a long completion and a possible touchdown. You mentioned the three, three runs. And uh, I've, I've got a lot of that noted in the article. And I, I just, yeah, I was down on Brandon Williams after week one. And yeah. he's one of the players the Ravens don't really have a replacement for. Washington is not really ready or, or have the size to play the nose. I don't think Ellis has the durability to play the nose for nearly as many snaps as Williams is needed for. So they need Brandon Williams to be good. And, you know, obviously every team would be lucky to have Brandon Williams and then a couple other guys that can maybe play the nose. But the Ravens are competing for a Super Bowl here, and they, they really need Williams to be one of their uh, very effective players. Um, if he's going to continue. And, and they've also made another commitment to him that is increases the likelihood dramatically of him staying in Baltimore for next year. Yeah. Um, I think it was a, ultimately it was a good decision what they did to rotate Williams and Ellis in this particular game. Uh, it kept Williams fresh uh, for the whole game. And um, it we'll have to see if they continue that uh, uh, moving forward, sort of a, to use an NBA term, a load management uh, situation. Yeah, it, it, Martindale is really the master of snap count. I'm going I'm to move on here and go to my number three guy, who's LJ Fort. Uh, Fort obviously had a really nice, vicious quarterback hit. Unfortunately, it was right before a touchdown pass. But uh, Watson wanted a flag, but it just looked like a straight forearm to the chest. Uh, very mm-hmm. well-timed. And, uh, and, you know, wasn't anything I, I thought initially that, boy, wow, that's a, that's a hell of a hit, but he didn't go for the neck or anything. So that was good. And then, you know, the game is moving at the right speed for LJ Fort when in his ninth year in the league, he's played still less than a full season of defensive snaps. He, you know, he's, he's been around, he's been played for eight organizations. I believe the Ravens are his eighth. Um, mm-hmm. and, and he was able to pick that ball up on kind of a gravy hop, but, Nonetheless, he didn't bobble it. He didn't lose it. He immediately had his eyes down the field, did some evading, got to the pylon, touchdown. Uh, it's really nice to to be able to put all that together in a play. Great play by by Marlon to, to pop that ball loose. But a lot of times, some of the harder parts is is in the scoop and score component. Yeah, uh, that's a skill, no doubt about it. I, I've seen balls squirt out of people's hands and people kick balls and all kinds of stuff. And you're tearing your hair out as a fan. Um, and, but it's a skill. What can I say? All right. Uh, Who's your number? So my second guy. Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, my linebacker of, of the game is, uh, is Bowser. Uh, and I've pretty much gone over, what I saw from him, I saw a little bit of everything in this game. Very impressed can't, with this game. Can't argue with that. Very balanced effort. Uh, you know, I wouldn't have any objective if you said Judon either. Um, yeah. my, num- my number two guy is Marcus Peters. And I think we've been over a lot of that as well. Kind of almost seemed like he was getting the uh, Ed Reed treatment towards the end of that game. I did have a comment on the website. Somebody said, great article, love your work. However, I take issue with calling Marcus Peters the greatest ball hawk of all time. That title belongs to Ed Reed. I understand this kind of fighting words to say that in Baltimore, although I think we will adopt Peters as our own. We have a special affinity, a homegrown talent. In point mm-hmm. of fact, when you adjust interceptions to era, Marcus Peters is number one and Ed Reed is number two all time in NFL history 
of interceptions per 16 games. Per now, 16 Ed, games. Yeah, Ed Reed has finished his Hall of Fame career and is, in fact, in the Hall of Fame. Uh, mm-hmm. And Marcus Peters is basically hitting 400 in June. So we'll see if he makes it all the way. But uh, but he certainly looks like the kind of player who's going to have, um, if not the greatest uh, all-time interception rate, will have very close to it uh, when all is said and done. Um, that's uh that's that's very impressive <laughs> that's uh that's that's very impressive i do know that it's harder to get interceptions these this day and age mm-hmm. and peters is is ahead well ahead of everybody else right now um in that particular statistic it I always hesitate for people who haven't had long careers to speak of to start the Hall of Fame debate, Um, but it's possible, considering Humphrey's already been an All-Pro, it's possible, maybe not plausible, that the Ravens will have a pair of Hall of Fame uh, cornerbacks before they're they're said and done, uh, like other teams have. But we'll, we'll cross that bridge when it gets closer, I think. Yeah, that that'd certainly be pretty cool uh, if uh, if that were to were to continue. So let's see. I've named my number two guy. Who's your number one guy or your your other guy? My DB. Uh, speaking of which, is Marlon Humphrey. Um, Humphrey uh, did get uh, burned a couple times um, on crossing patterns uh, and such, but I didn't see I didn't see it in in, in terms of um, uh really playing poorly uh so much as a play was designed well um and at which point once the wide receiver caught the ball humphrey chased him down and tackled him mm-hmm. um part of playing good defense is limiting uh yards after catch um the ravens did a very good job of that uh, uh um in this game um, so I just want to say, uh, well, other than a couple notes on him, one, I actually saw Humphrey shed an offensive guard trying to block him and tackle David Johnson for a five yard gain. That's the kind of thing that you would see a defensive lineman or a linebacker do. Um, but Humphrey did that. Um, but we know that that's kind of part of his game. That's part of what makes him special is being able to do that as a corner. The other thing I want to mention about him is uh, the punch out, the mm-hmm. uh, the patented Marlon Humphrey punch out. He's like the new peanut Tillman with, uh, with that stuff. I do not believe that was his assignment. I believe he was actually on a different wide receiver, had to peel off of that guy and tackle, um, uh, I think it was Coty, Kiki Coty, that caught that and punch it out. I will um, have to go back and look at that play. I did not pick that up at the time. I didn't either at the time. Uh, when I took a look at it again, I think that's what happened. And it's it's Coty. It's not Cooks, and it's not Stills. It's Coty. Okay. I think so. I think that's the guy that, that fumbled. Okay. Well, that's easy enough to check from the from just the game book. So, uh, I I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, Marlon has become such a nose for the football guy 
in these last couple of years, the, the ability to just punch the ball loose at will. He's had, since he came into the league, he's had baseball bats for arms, as I call it. I mean, he's really, this is what makes him such a special boundary corner is the mm-hmm. ability to go up and, and fight for the football. And effectively, and a, a receiver with extended arms is just going to get a, you know, a, a effectively cross-checked. <laughs> that's, mm-hmm. a, that's not the, that's a slashed. That's really much, what that's more like. Oh. Uh, so it's a, it's a, he puts himself in in harm's way to do that, but Humphrey, I think, is is somewhat compromised by playing the slot. There are abilities, and you just mentioned some of them, like his physicality, that are accentuated by playing the slot. You know, the ability to 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 rush the quarterback to get in there to, to you know maybe get past a running back or or uh, or even avoid a tight end maybe who's trying to block him there. Mm-hmm. Uh, th- those kind of things are definitely accentuated, but. He's he does not have the same change of direction skills as most other slot corners, and the whip routes and some of the crossing routes are going to give him more trouble than they'll give a Tavon Young. Were right. he healthy? Yeah, and it, it was somewhat noticeable in the second half. Yeah. All right, so my number one guy is Calais Campbell for the second uh, week in a row. Yeah, that's and, the other guy I had five points for. <laughs> All right, well, good one. And uh, you know, it's he's he's been so utterly dominant uh in terms of what he's done. He's impacting a lot of plays where he's not getting the counting statistic, but he's not also coming up short on the counting statistics. Three PDs last week, you know, he had um parts of two sacks, which means also two quarterback hits this week. Uh he had another where he contained the front side on Elliott's sack. So he really had a contribution to three of those. Uh, he was a stunt under guy on two of the plays. Uh, he affected the run game. Uh, it's just it's it's been it's been everything, frankly. And you know, he, with all the plays he impacted this week, and I had him as impacting ten separate plays. He only played thirty four snaps. You know, so he, he he's a guy who's played between seventy seven and eighty percent of the snaps the last five years. Is playing now sixty percent of the snaps through two games. And that seems to really suit him in terms of the energy level he brings on a play-by-play basis. He's 36, right? 34. 34? Okay, just checking. Um, He's one of the best 34-year-old defensive ends possibly in NFL history. (laughs) Um, He's aged very well. All right. Uh, Josh, are you there with us? So we want to talk a little mailbag. Yeah, let's let's jump on into the mailbag. This is your chance to steal the show by using the hashtag Film Study Mailbag on Twitter or commenting over on filmstudybaltimore.com. Let's go with, um, let's see, before we look ahead, because there's a bunch of people that want to look ahead, let's uh, take uh, Ravens Andrew on Twitter, who's wondering about Elliot's role and performance so far through the first two games versus uh, Earl Thomas in that role. I, I, I'll, I'll start, then Jason, I'd love to hear your comments too. But, you know, he's done a little bit of everything. He certainly played the back end. Uh, they haven't thrown at him much. They threw at him once last week for 13 yards, once this week for 38. Um, it's not like he's picking up a ton of targets, so that's similar. He's kind of similar, but better in the fact that he's even had more pass rush productivity than Thomas had. Uh, basically in his whole career before he came to Baltimore, but, but even in the, in the limited number of snaps that he's, that he's used as a pass rusher here. The Ravens defenders 
were right uh, regarding they didn't need Earl Thomas <laughs> if Elliot was going to play. So the only thing that I'm worried about is if Elliot is going to hold up for the year. Yeah, it, it, we've we've now mentioned probably four positions on this show alone, including Tavon, where the Ravens don't have any depth behind their star player. I mean, we haven't mentioned Ronnie Stanley on the show, but this has come up a lot on the other shows, as you can imagine. Uh, mm-hmm. Obviously, at safety, they are thin, but I think good right now. You know, the, the, their basic two players are good. Um, mm-hmm. uh, their their third option there, Jimmy Smith, has been good, but they really need to get him out of there. Is my my personal opinion is that he needs to not be playing safety anymore. I I'm thrilled to get an idea of what Geno Stone can do as a rookie. I would love to see that. Uh, I don't want to see it because of injury, but I would love to see it as you know the guy who comes in to play the back end on the dime package. That's I like a, that's Geno a great Stone one. and I, I like Nigel Warrior too. Um, it, it'd be interesting to see them if they get a chance. Um, uh, but it, it's very rare that you get that you get through an NFL season without major injuries somewhere. All right, and that's why Minion Hunter sends in this question, where he is wondering if there he limits it to the Giants, but I'm just saying anywhere, if the Ravens' depth in running back is something they can use to trade to bring in and increase some depth in corner. I personally think it will take more than that. Uh, it's not that the Giants couldn't use a player like Justice Hill, who's a young player. I just think he's been devalued a little bit by the fact that the Ravens are not using him and that there's this traditional wisdom now in the NFL that running backs don't matter. If the Ravens are going to trade a guy, it's going to be Gus Edwards probably. So you'll have to ask yourself that question. Um, would you give up Gus Edwards? I mean, as good as he looked um, against the uh, against the Texans, he he might be able to actually get you something. In which case, Justice Hill will actually be able to be activated and be a chance to see what he can do. Um, but yeah, Hill's so not going to get much. Edwards has one more year of semi-control from the Ravens as a restricted free agent. So they'll be able to basically sign him for $3 million or a little bit less. That is not tremendously attractive, probably from the Ravens' point of view and where he falls on their depth chart right now. So they might say no to that. Now, if they do not have Ingram next year, that may change that equation. And they may say, yeah, I'd rather have Edwards at $3 million than Ingram at five. Uh, it, it, it could be. I mean, the running backs right now are, are deep enough that they can look ahead to, to future years as far as what they're going to do about that. But uh, mm-hmm. as far as trades, um, really, the best the best thing that they can do is is trade some draft capital. That's what teams want the most that uh, are bad enough to want to trade away their guys. I, I, I'm, in, I'm agreeing with you that I think it would be better to trade draft capital than cap for next year. So I, while I don't think it should take a lot of draft capital to get a slot corner or the, you know, a team's – a slot corner who is maybe making $3 million this year. Let's say he's in the fourth year. He's an RFA. He's effectively a rental. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I, it shouldn't cost you know, the other side of the moon to get that guy because next year he's not going to get you a cop pick probably given the number of free agents that are out there, uh, I think you, you, you should be able to get one. All right. Next up, we've got Mr. Ed, who is wondering, how does the success or fail rate of the race car package translate in the next week's game against Kansas City? 
I, I, I let you chime in on this, but I'm just going to say they only ran one race car package this week, Ed. So they ran some in the first week. I don't have the number right sitting in front of me, but it might have been uh, six or seven times they ran it, and they they ran it once this week. So I don't think it's not central enough to me that they will use that against Kansas City as the you know the only way to go about things. I think we'll see a lot of two defensive linemen, three outside linebackers, no inside linebacker. I think we'd see that. Um, so, I, I, you know, we'll, we'll see a different set of ways that Martindale goes about attacking Mahomes and the Chiefs offense. Coincidentally, I think uh, because of Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, uh, I think that the Chiefs offensive attack is going to look somewhat similar to the Texans offensive attack, but better. So you might end up uh, with a lot of the same kind of deal, uh, standard nickel against a 1-1 personnel <laughs> formation. Yeah, I'd, I'd bet on that. And and I'd also bet that, they, well, now this may change with the personnel, but just thinking about it, I'm thinking that big nickel makes a lot of sense against the um, uh, 12 personnel the Chiefs can show. So that, that gives you a, a fairly strong coverage player like Clark, say, who you could toss, or Jimmy Smith that you toss on Kelsey when he splits a ride and they put two tight ends in the game. All right. Let's close yeah, out. I can see that. Let's close Sorry. out the mailbag with this. Uh, Ravens played a mobile quarterback this weekend. Obviously, they haven't beat the Chiefs yet, or Lamar hasn't beat the Chiefs yet. Do you think they're going to pull out some a lot of new plays for Monday night? I'm sure there'll be some new formations and probably a couple of trick plays from Roman that we haven't seen yet that, that'll be new. Uh, I'm not expecting them to play, you know, have six new plays that we've never seen before and two new alignments or formations or packages that we've never seen before. I'd, I'd say it'd probably be less than that. It's all about mixing and matching existing scheme that we have seen to keep Mahomes feeling uncomfortable and keep the or cut down on the timing of the of the passing game for the Chiefs. By my experience uh, watching games, trick plays don't tend to work against well-coached teams with good players on them. Um, but you don't, I mean, I think we're probably going to see some some uh, fourth and whatever's uh, gone for on both sides. Um, it's going to be an aggressive game plan uh, uh and play calling on both sides but um i'm not i'm not i don't foresee too many uh trick plays all right uh that's the mailbag like i said earlier you can get in all your questions using the hashtag film study mailbag over on twitter get your questions in uh today for the offensive podcast that'll be recorded tomorrow night or tonight uh, depending on when you're listening to this um jason thanks for joining us uh what do you want to plug and if you can share your twitter handle again uh sure um i'll i'll plug the rsr board um uh, wnc ravens fan um on the board and and there's a uh a burgeoning group of uh sports nerds that uh, uh are enjoyable to listen to and read from that area um and my twitter handle which is uh, again newly recovered um 
at 25 nuggets. Uh, if you want to follow uh, me, I'll be um, joining the Twitterverse pretty soon. Okay, well, don't don't be afraid to tag him, particularly if you heard something you like. Jason's got a lot of very interesting things to say about football. Jason, really appreciate having you on tonight. Uh, I do want to talk briefly about the rest of the week and what the schedule is. We have Jeremy Kahn on tomorrow night for the offensive show. On Wednesday, we have a terrific incoming Chiefs guest, Seth, who will tell us all about what the Chiefs bring in terms of scheme and personnel. So that'll be a good Know Your Foe episode, I'm sure. Seth Kaiser is the guy's name. Uh, on Thursday, we have the By the Numbers episode. If you haven't listened to that, that's Dan Reese and me, a couple actuarial nerds, uh, talking about some of the numbers that you probably haven't heard that describe the current situation with the Ravens and, and the look ahead uh, to future games. In this case, we're going to do a look backwards. And at Josh's behest, we're going to have a show that comes out on Monday. Looking forward exclusively to the Chiefs game uh, with the by the numbers content. Yeah, I think that'll be a lot of fun and a different twist on a uh, a week where it's already a short week and tough for us to get out a bunch of content. I think it'll be fun. Yeah, looking forward to it. And Dan's great to Dan's great to work with it. Josh, tell us a little bit about uh, three thirty six or other things you want to plug. Uh, three thirty six brand new episode just came out of section three thirty six, where um, we talk about what made this Orioles season fun to watch as it's wrapping up this week even though it was a losing season and what that means for the upcoming next season as far as can next season still be fun and did we see enough growth this season to look forward to next season. So we cover that this week on 336. Is next season the season that we will see most of the young stars or are we still drag our heels for two years now? Next season... By the end of the season, we should get a couple big names up. So like Rutschman, Paul, Rodriguez. Rutschman should be up at some point next year. Hall and Rodriguez as well are on those bubbles. So, yeah, those are guys to look forward to for next year. Plus, we had some excitement this year with Kramer and Mountcastle and Stewart and Mullins and Hayes making an impact this year. Yeah. And Aiken. So, yeah, it's a... Right now is the time to hop on the Orioles bandwagon if you want to because it's on its way up, not down. They're doing a great job of keeping that team young and and trying to have a team that matures at the same time and then can be a contender hopefully for years to come. I like the I like what Elias has done. I know there are a lot of people out there saying some some very bad things, but I, I really like the way he's building a franchise. Yeah, you gotta be patient, but it it's a it's a long term plan that then brings many seasons of winning and not a in and out. Well, Jason, thanks again for joining us tonight. Uh, really appreciate you coming on the show. Uh, it's always a good show. I know when it runs an hour and a half like this and, and the time just flies by because it's a great discussion. So really appreciate you. Thank you. <clears throat> Thank you. All right. We will talk again shortly on film study.
Introducing the Lowe's List for Innovation. While our aisles are filled with innovative products, we've selected our favorites just for you. Like the exclusive Whirlpool washer with industry-first two-in-one removable agitator. We love this washer because you can customize any load. And with other smart features to streamline your laundry routine, this product is a must-have for families. Shop the full Lowe's list of top picks at Lowe's.com. Lowe's, home to any budget, home to any possibility. U.S. only. Here in America, work is in trouble. We've offshored our manufacturing, sent away good jobs, and lost so much ability to make things. American Giant is a company that's pushing back against this tide. They make high-quality clothing, sweatshirts, jeans, dresses, jackets, and so much more right here in the USA. Visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order when you use code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com. Promo code STAPLE20. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.